Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine, Shad. <laughs> I'm a little frustrated with my computer. Yeah, Matt's I having understand. some technical problems, folks, so mm. bear it'll with us. It'll be all right. Yeah. It'll be all Violence right. Violence solves everything. Mm. <laughs> Don't tempt us. Um, we want to say thank you, everybody out there, for being with us for this episode. We're going to get our shout-outs taken care of here at the beginning. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. CollarandElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code 4CORNERSPODCAST. That is the number 4, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast. No spaces to save at 10% off your order. If you hurry now, you can pick up the Waffle House-inspired shirt that is... Smothered, covered, and brothered. Yeah, that's about you know. <laughs> I am. Um, and uh, I actually or anything a, else. I just made a decent sized order. So a lot of it was clearance. I picked up all their like um, retro logo shirts. And Are they the... It, the like so I got like the all Japan one. I got the mid south wrestling one, and I got the world class one. Ah, gotcha. So if you don't know what those are, they pretty much have the logo of an old school promotion, but then they have like collar and elbow, like is the is the wording. They're actually pretty clever, and and um, especially if you like old promotions or old like graphic tees, they're they're pretty cool in my opinion. Yeah, they they've got like um, the PWI style and stuff like that. So they don't have they that on good. the site. They did have that at the convention that we they, talked that's about true. last week. Yeah. So, uh, super comfy, and they've got the jackets, they've got the hoodies. I can't recommend them enough. And our other shout-out, we hand the ball to Matt. Uh, yeah, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, you know, guys, uh, Orlando Cologne would do many things, but he wouldn't sit through, like, 30 fucking minutes of recaps that were <laughs> unnecessary to watch these two damn shows. Oh, my God. It's true. It is true. He won't do that. I I have I have a lot of I have a lot of um, nits to pick this episode. Um, so I don't have nits to pick. I've got bitches to make. So this is... we were going to originally do this as two episodes, and then we started watching these. Well, and the release thing happened, and we decided to do an episode on that. But yeah. we were just like, you know what? Like episode five and six really don't deserve their own episodes, so we just kind of combined it into one yeah. so this is going to be episodes five and six of the gwf um yeah tv title um, tournament see we come yeah this this five and six together we'll get we'll get there starting out with five and this is how they're labeled on youtube by the way if if you really want to see um the biggest the problem that we have starts real big in part five is 
there are straight the first two segments of the hour long show are recap. The first two segments of the show are recap. And it's a recap. They do a full recap of the Patriot versus um, Wild Bill Irwin. That was on episode four. Yes. They're replaying. You remember when ECW showed Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn like like three or four weeks in a row? Yes. I was happier with that than I was with the replay of well, just because, this last episode. That's because that was actually good, though. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's we what should we do. Had. We, we should do that, that series of matches on the show at some point. I wonder how well it ages. I'm going to say not well, but we also... We also did like one ECW show way back in the day and totally shit all over a really bad one because of luck of the draw. And I feel, well, my cousin and I did one that was a good review, but I feel like, I feel like, um, ECW does have a lot of good stuff out there and we need to like redeem it at some point and like seek out something decent. We'll, uh, we'll get there. (laughs) Or I think, I think, I honestly think we did barely legal. We'd probably give that a decent review. Okay. That uh, yeah, one has it, the Impro six man on it. Okay. Okay, that's what that is. It, it's hard to tell sometimes cuz well, well, we'll dig on dig in on that in the future. Um in this one we finally get to a new match. Um Adrian the Street good versus Ross is the Adrian Mon. Street. Yeah, it's good news it's Adrian Street. The bad news is he's up against Ross to the Voodoo Mon. And Bonnie Blackstone said it wrong later in the show. She did. She totally did. And, you know, uh, there's good and bad in this match. The good is Adrian Street's doing a lot of classic Adrian Street stuff, and he's wrestling around his opponent a lot. The bad is, well, pretty much everything else. It's not as bad as you would think it would be on a surface level. It's slightly better than that. Now I want to I want to give I want to do I do want to give Rasta one nice thing I'm going to say about him for this episode. Okay. I liked when Adrian Street was doing his antics in the beginning that um, Rasta was not doing your typical homophobic selling. He was more just kind of perplexed and annoyed by it. It was kind of like just like come on dude like let's let's just wrestle. Have have match. Yes. Actually, yeah, I liked his I liked his little promo with Bonnie, and oh, um, it well it wasn't great, but I liked that she was they they kind of saved it from the stereotype a bit because he's doing his thing and she's like, oh I guess you don't speak English instead of it being like oh you know like where it would be WWE is like her her you know he's like a dumb savage it was more like oh I guess you just yeah don't. that's true she doesn't throw him under the bus yeah yeah. Matt, you had some strong thoughts here, I think. I did not like this match at all. Um, I, I give, I guess, give credit to Adrian Street. Like he did the best he could, but it was literally just, it was a man intentionally throwing himself and bouncing himself off like a brick wall. Like Rusev Udaman just didn't do like jack. He wasn't doing much of anything, and yeah. maybe that's why I didn't like it. It's just. Like, Adrian was trying his best, but I, I, I don't think, I guess Ross just wasn't, he was that, was he that limited? 
Or... Yeah, he was green as fuck, I think. I mean, I think he probably had single-digit yeah. matches at this point. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's pretty clear that he's pretty he's really green. Was he wearing okay? Like I'm watching this and I'm I'm you know working to follow along and keeping an on it. And that is Rasta just wearing track pants as ring yes, gear. Is that I'm what I'm saying? Sure. Okay, that's because that really ruins the gimmick in my opinion. Yeah, like he doesn't have gear that like the 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 Voodoo Mon gimmick. Like, the gimmick portion of it is basically the face paint and his stick. And it's like, I, um... He doesn't need a loincloth, but he needs something better than track pants. He needs something else. Even if he just but, had standard trunks, he would be, it would be better than track pants. Yeah. Because well, the, the, track pants, unless it fits with the gimmick, track pants are usually... Uh, I don't know what else... You know, I don't know what else to wear. He could be, well, he could be, I mean, let's, 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 he could be covering up spindly little chicken legs, too. Long tights are great for that, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's, like, I, I'm, I'm a long tights, yeah, I was a long tights guy, but I didn't have chicken legs. I didn't even, I have tights, really. I had, uh, I preferred the looser pants, but it was, a. Uh, you know, for me, it, it's, it, that was what I was used to, martial arts for so long, that, I don't know why so many people are so down on long pants or long tights. Like, there's a lot of people that seem to really hate that. Oh, like with punk? Just in general. (laughs) I mean, I figure people do that with punk just because that's not what they're used to. Well, I mean, I I feel like if I was punk, I mean, he's 40 and he's out of shape. Like, he's probably covering up some, like I said, little chicken legs. He's worn the trunks. uh, Yeah, he's worn the trunks. Yeah, he's worn the trunks up a couple times, and he didn't look terrible. So no, he's actually I, looked surprisingly um, decent for a guy that hasn't done it for seven years. Yeah, I, I just figured that he. I, I think he was just trying something new, you know. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. Guys should be allowed to experiment. I mean, it was it was weird, but I, I didn't. I wouldn't hate on the guy. It's like his gear; he can do what he wants with it. Yeah, I mean, you've got to be comfortable with it. Yeah. I think he asked somebody backstage and, and was he, like, hey, what what do you think? And they're like, oh, yeah, go with the long stuff. And I mean, I feel like I feel like, too, like he could have he could have honestly just been self-conscious, too, and wanted to cover up for a match. And then he felt yeah. better afterwards. Like, I mean, you can't hold that against. No, against someone. Not at all. Not at all. Like, it's like when it's like, um. And we never got crap for it or anything. But people are always like, why does Tommy Dreamer wear a shirt all the time? Like, have you seen Tommy Dreamer with no shirt on? Like, that's why he wears <laughs> yeah. a shirt. I think that's Raven's thing is Raven's thing is Tommy Dreamer bravely pulls his ECW shirt down over his love handles to go out and work a shirt. Oh, he's got man titties, too. <laughs> yeah. Even when he even like in 97, I think he pulled his shirt off or something. And I mean, he's probably in his twenties then. I mean, he had he had like the love handles and the man titties then, so I can't imagine it's gotten any better. Yeah, he um he lost the war against the, his moobs <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Like I think I think he gave up about ten years ago and started wearing a sports bra when he wrestles. I you know, compression shirts aren't that big a deal. Just. Anyway, I'm just um, saying I'm not even ripping on Tommy because like I think he was a talented guy. But when people ask like 
Why did he wear a shirt? Like, did you ever see him without it? Like, that's why he wore a shirt. Well, remember Rock? Rock wore a shirt for a long time because remember he had that like, he had that cancer on his chest and he had surgery and he was covering up a scar for like six months. Oh yeah, because um, he had that. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. It was essentially breast cancer, but it was a form of it, I believe. Was that what it was, really? I. I didn't hear that it was cancer, but I did hear that it was, um, I mean, men, men technically do have breast tissue and, yeah. uh, I think he had had that condition where it, men had like an excess of breast tissue. So it's basically he had boobs. Um, no, I think I know someone on, there was a guy on a podcast. I think he died of breast cancer. Oh, was it a guy? Uh, Gigantomastia might've been, but that's essentially what he died of. Who? It was on, I think, Comic Geek Speak. He died like seven or eight years ago. I could be misremembering what he had, but I thought that's what he said he had at some point. Because it, it, it broke me up because he got better. Mm-hmm. And then um, they did a show and he sounded like shit. And then like a week it's, later, he's like, yeah, I'm going back in the hospital. And he was dead a week later. It was. It's it kind of like what happened with um, kind of like what happened with Total Biscuit is that he got cancer and then he got better and that came back and he was just gone like that well what dr steve says is what happens is if they what they do is when they do like chemo and all the radiation and it comes back what happened is there were a couple of radiation resistant cells that survived and then when it reactivates they all come back radioactive um radiation resistant and then you're just fucked is what what he describes it as but um yeah um so anyway back to rasta it's i wish he would have if he had just had plain black tights it would have worked better yeah but you know he's he's got track pants with the stripe the stripe down the side and it's like dude no just no yeah Um, could you be less like 80s please well he could have been more 80s with just like full bore (laughs) zubas That is true. Right. That would have actually. I think would have fit better. Yeah. 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 Sorry, folks. Well, We're it... having some. Te- Matt's having some technical problems tonight. We'll just bear with us. Yeah. So and... this this I thought was pretty terrible. Then what yeah. did we we got two Buddy Landell matches in a row? That was a really weird decision to me. They they hadn't like they went through this whole thing like the first three episodes we had one buddy match and now we've got back to back shows. Yes, yeah, so they just recapped the gorgeous Gary Young. Then he does a promo that I thought was pretty decent. He's talking about getting the Nature Boy gimmick and all that stuff. Yeah, that Flair passed it to him. Yeah, was, which is obvious I'm bullshit. But by that. Um, <laughs> he 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 through this episode. The next episode though, he remains like by far. Uh, like, like a mountain golf, the most entertaining thing on these shows. Like he is by far and away the most entertaining personality on all of these shows. I love that Buddy Landell in quote being the nature boy. I love that he he looks like a shrimp. Like you know, if you look at Buddy Landell standing in the ring. Like his hair looks too big for the rest of his body. Like the rest of his body has, 
you know, he he looked too thin, his arms looked too thin, that sort of stuff, which makes you just hate him even more. Well, I also like that he kind of dumps himself up a little bit. Like, you know, he, he could come out with something nicer, but he comes out in, like, the scuzziest fucking shirt he, like, he has, and he probably, like, <laughs> took it outside and, like, rolled it around in the dust a little bit to, like, help Here's with Here's the other thing, is he's wearing trunks that don't quite fit i think we got matt back now um like the trunks actually come up too high on him Mm -hmm. so it's it it makes buddy landell look like a poser which just it just fits in with everything else i I, I I have to appreciate that. For he, I, I was unfamiliar with Buddy Landell for a long time. And he kind of does something with his hair, where his hair is kind of always slightly askew too. Um, yeah, a little bit. And but then he always is like, you know, he's always like fixing it and correcting it. Yeah, he's always patting at it and, and that sort of stuff. No, this is my so, other this is my other annoyance with the show though. So they did all these recaps. And they've mm-hmm. done a decent bit of promo work to set up the main event. And then mm-hmm. um, the the match with Big Bully Busick, which they've actually hyped more than any other match to this point, is like three minutes. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I, for as much as they talked about it, I thought we were going to get more. Um, you know, just for some quick notes I had on the match itself. Landell is so obnoxious that it makes Busick almost a face. Not quite, but almost. And, you know, Landell's trying to mind game Busick, and then he he's like, we're going to go for the test of strength, and then he just punches Busick in the face, and Busick looks at him like, what are you doing, man? And, you know, he's hiding behind the ref until the ref flips out on him and chews him out. Like, he... Landell does a great job. Just... God... He's an unrepentant. Hate his ass. He's just an unrepentant dickbag. Yeah. He's so great uh, though. Like I'm glad you. I'm glad you've gotten to like see him in his glory because he is really like just a magnificent heel. He's. Landell is kind of like, if I was going to draw a modern comparison, Landell is. I'm not gonna say MJF. I feel like Landell is more like Dan Lambert. In that he is willing to be just such a prick and so obnoxious and, you know, just so hateable that he gets heat that way and you want to see someone beat his ass. And I think I think what makes it I think what makes Landell better, too, is some guys do that and like. I don't know. There's something fake about it, but like Landell seems to just enjoy it. Like even in character, like he just seems to enjoy being a douche. And I think that makes him more hateable. Oh, he does kind of revel in it. Yeah. So that's fun. And his accent. I think I love his accent too. His accent really like accentuates like his promos, I think. Yeah, it, it fits. Um, it, it does fit. So, um, Busick has like a face comeback at the end of this, and then Buddy Landell wins with his finish, the uh, feet on the ropes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't. And that's Buddy Landell should. I mean, he should. Che- Buddy Landell should always cheat if he can. See, 
the here's how I understand classic heel theory. The heel should always cheat for two reasons. One, it's easier to win that way. And two, why not? Right? Like it the heel you're never your heel is always supposed to be someone you despise, someone you don't want to see succeed. And he should be so, cutting corners. That's part of cheating. Yeah, too. He, he, he should be cheating. And Landell does that at every opportunity. You know, when I was working a heel, part of my gimmick was that I'm this big dude who beats people up. But, you know, I stuck a finger in the eye any chance I got. It's just, you know, why? I didn't have to, but why not? Well, that's what they right? got wrong with um, Jericho's unified title run in like 2002 and 2003 that is really where they really missed the boat on him is is your heel shouldn't necessarily have to cheat and jericho had to cheat whereas landell cheats because he wants to like sometimes he has to cheat but sometimes he has the advantage and um sometimes you know that you know you could do like a wrist locker and arm bar to keep the advantage going or you could just poke him in the eye and then like do something even bigger like yeah. you could poke him in the eye then body slam him i remember jericho's first undisputed title defense and it pissed me off the moment i saw it it was the opener on raw it was chris jericho versus maven i knew you were going for that one because that yeah. was the oh, height of absurdity i i hate that so and the the hell of that is chris jericho should have just walked all over him in that match and Chris Jericho, you know, kicking Maven around, and Maven goes to get up, and Jericho sticks a thumb in his eye to be a dick? Cool. But that's not how the match was done. It made it look like Jericho had to cheat to beat him. Yeah. Jericho was desperately cheating to get an upper hand on Maven. Yeah. And like, that's the other thing is... Fresh off, tough enough, just barely one tough enough, and then eliminated Taker in the Rumble and got his ass beat Maven. And he should also, like... You can you can roll a guy up and use the tights and not have to. You just did it because that's easier. Well, you roll them up. If you're gonna do that, you don't roll them up and then grab the tights and lean in like you're you're you know hanging on for dear life. You roll them up. Once they're rolled up, you just kind of look your eyes around and then grab the tights because. Okay. Or you make Matt, a big production out of it in the process. Yeah. Yeah, you, you make a big deal out of it because the point there is not doing it to win, but doing it to be a prick. Matt, what did you think on the Busick Landell? We're just talking about uh, ways of healing. Uh, Landell was very good in this. Um, it was an interesting match because, I mean, you have it's heel versus heel. Yeah. And I, Busick was doing a bunch of like power moves, and I, I was thinking, like, well, maybe they're going to actually have him kind of be like de facto face just because Landell is more just a sleazebag. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I'm not I'm not really that surprised that he went over ultimately. I did think the finish was kind of like abrupt and weird, where it's like he, like Bully goes in for, he, he like went, went in for like a charge in the corner, right? And then he like, Landell like missed, he missed it. And then yeah. Landell just like pinned him by putting his foot on the ropes. He was cheating. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought Landell was really good. Landell I think if you said Brad, like Landell was like the, like the highlight of this whole tournament, really. He, he was a good foil for a lot of people. I just, 
when you get done with this tournament, we were we're planning to do like a we change the booking yeah. because <laughs> I had I had a lot of issues just with like the booking and the how many episodes yeah, it took. Yeah. Well, yes, that, but certainly, like, some of their choices in terms of, like, who they had advance in the tournament and the matchups that resulted from that, it, it's bizarre. It is. Like, I don't – because we, I think I talked about it, but um, they tapped Bill ED to be mm-hmm. the booker, and he had never booked before. Mm-hmm. And you can really see it because you can see the unforced errors of inexperience. Like, I think – I think I can be a little complimentary to Bill Eadie that I think he had creativity, mm-hmm. but I think he made a lot of really first timer mistakes with this. Mm-hmm. And I hate to be like, because you know, I've I certainly have never stepped foot in a wrestling ring. I know Shad has, but I don't want to be like the 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 you know, jerk off fan. Right, it's like, well, I can, I could book this better, but it's like, uh, I, I, may, I think maybe I, I could in some <laughs> respects, only because like if, if to me, like I'm watching this, tw- like thirty, almost thirty years later, about thirty years later, and I'm seeing guys that they clearly want to position as like, you know, stars going. Actually, forward. we, I think we started this almost on the thirtieth anniversary of the debut, like mm, to the wow. week, so. They're, they're guys that they definitely wanted to, to get over and, and have be like future stars. So it's like I probably would have positioned them better in this tournament than some of the guys did. Like if Busek was going to be around a while, like Busek could have been like a, a, a big heel for them. Yeah. You, you could have had not Landell going over him. You could have had you could have had like the Patriot go over him or um, Kone, Chris Walker or something like that. And I thought it was dumb having – like Adrian Street get all the way to the semifinals on nothing but DQs. That was kind of oh yeah, productive. yeah. We'll we'll rebook the whole thing soon. Well, because yeah, because the first thing I was this was just just as a, a spoiler. Like when I rebook it, I'm just doing two brackets instead of three, and that'll fix a lot oh, of the problems. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like that's I they're, think they're... their biggest screw up. So I wanted to go back to the cheating thing real quick before we moved on to episode six, but I think um, Scott Hall's abdominal stretch is like a perfect encapsulation of how a heel should cheat. Oh, just get him in the stretch and then look for the opportunity to grab the ropes. Well, and he's not. He knows he's not going to win the match. He's just trying mm-hmm. to get ahead. Yeah. But he also, I also like that because he doesn't stooge the ref. Like the, the eventual point is to get caught. And have the ref kick his arm off the rope. Yeah. Well, that doesn't undermine the referee. That way. When the referee catches him and then makes him break it, that does not undermine the ref's authority. The only thing that that does, aside from the story of Scott Hall's hurting the other guy, is further the fact that Scott Hall is the bad guy. And he's cheating to get ahead. That's that's what, you know, that's all that that does. It doesn't harm anybody's credibility, which is, you know... That's that's great. Did you hear um, WWE just wants the refs to be shorter than the wrestlers now? Yes. So the wrestlers look bigger. That's the, I have I have not heard that, mm-hmm. but I I don't doubt it. But that I I don't like that because I always like Nick Patrick because Nick Patrick was big. So if someone pushed Nick Patrick and he pushed them back and they like backed off, it's like oh yeah, like I would I would back off from that guy. Like he's. Mm. He's a big dude, and he was like a boxer. Like, yeah, he's not gonna take your shit from you. That, but they don't want that. They want they want refs that are made of paper and have 
you know, yeah. spines of jello. It's, I always loved, I always loved, I know it's probably counterproductive, but the few times the ref would get in Flair's face and he would drop to his knees and do like the Flair beg off. He beg off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what though? Two guys that were never big, but when they would occasionally get physical, it, I, I, it would always make me pop is uh, God bless their souls. Both of them. Uh, Mark Curtis and Randy, don't call me Pee Wee Anderson. That's because you yeah. saw them like murk a couple of fans. Oh yeah, so, <laughs> a couple times dudes like got into the ring and they like handled business, and it's like yeah. whoa, like Randy Anderson just like <laughs> did the the Randy Orton punt kick to some yeah some dude's just, face. No, they, Who they, did that dude? He um, Mark Curtis choking a fan out until security got him. And then the crowd's chanting for him because it's like, you just got your ass beat by the tiniest guy that works for the company. You know, the, be- the best part is the Randy Anderson one is he kicks that guy in the face. And then the guy falls in the ring and he just starts grabbing him by the head and just like starts twisting his neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's whipping him back and forth like a dog hold of a rope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um. Another one that I liked whenever he would fire up and push back, oddly enough, is Charles Robinson. Because he wouldn't do it much, but whenever he did, he was so animated about it. Yeah. You know, because Charles Robinson, he, 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 like, whip, he had that long blonde hair, so it would, like, whip back, and he'd pull both of his hands up behind his head and, like, smack the other person in the chest when they push him. It was a, it was a really big deal when he did it, and I liked that, too. I like the clip of um, it's I think it's a it's a it's a California promotion, but the guy goes to powder someone and it's accidentally his cocaine and Rick Knox like just destroys everyone. Now that's a that's a really funny spot. There's also I need to show it to you, Shad, but there was this long-standing thing where the Bucks kept super kicking the um, the ring announcer in PWG, mm-hmm. and they go to do it and like they hold him and he ducks. And um, yeah. they super kick their friend that he double clotheslines both of them. Like, <laughs> this is like three years of them, like, doing this. You're just waiting for the comeuppance to happen. Yeah. And yeah. it's a good payoff to it. But, yeah, the Rick Knox one cracks me up because I think he even does, like, a suicide dive, doesn't he? Yeah. Rick, the Rick Knox uh, clip? Yeah. I think so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, at the fi- he, like, super kicks a bunch of dudes outside the ring. And then, finally, the final part of that is, like, he does a... Uh, uh, basically like a tope <laughs> and yeah. just like who was that guys. um we i showed you that clip from like his house show i think it was like baron corbin and miro were like kept like they would like the usos would like super kick aiden english out and then baron corbin and miro would like toss him back in and they'd super kick him back out and then they got into it with the ref and then the ref like takes his shirt off and they're like, come on, like step up to the plate. And he chucks his shirt off. And I think um, AJ Styles puts it on his head because he's now the ref and they do yeah. like the triple super kick. And yeah. then they go for like the triple pin and then AJ's like diving in there with like, I don't even think you can see because he has like the shirt over his face. Uh, he got it down just in time for the count, I think. But that one was hilarious. And I, th- I think that stuff's always funny. Yeah, uh, it's. This is we're we're on a digression right now, but um, I've I've been reading Moxley's book, which is fun to read. Um, and he does um, he he talks about how house shows were fun because you could goof off or you could experiment. And whenever he started his heel turn, 
Vince started showing up at the house shows to like directly micromanage Moxley's heel stuff. And he was talking about how, how just like the last bastion of fun that he had working from the company was gone. Did so you, did you like him calling, um, what did he call? Bucky Beaver. Yeah. He called him a fuck bag. I believe <laughs> Cornette thought it was hilarious. They, him and Brian last were reading it. And you could hear like Cornette, like trying not to giggle like a little girl. You know what? It, it's, it's telling when one of the most unifying things in the wrestling world is the hatred of Kevin Dunn. He's, Cornette was telling a story based off that passage. When they were in TNA, they were talking about him. And someone called him the most miserable fuck in the world. He said literally someone that worked in WWE walked in and just heard that part. He's like, oh, are you talking about Kevin Dunn? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I'm going to be honest. I had never... Like, Kevin Dunn didn't even show up on screen, but if half the stories I've heard about him are right, I, I really want a nice compilation of shoot interviews talking trash about him. Just, mm-hmm. like, compiled next to each other. This but, is um, this is a really subtle dig at him, that yeah. unless you knew Kevin Dunn, his absolutely insane schizophrenic jump cuts, you wouldn't get it, but a couple of years back when they had the... the the WrestleMania in uh, WrestleMania 35 in Newark, they did the WrestleCon show and that was like mm-hmm. that Thursday night. And one of the matches on that show was uh SoCal uncensored against, uh, I forget. Ex- I mean, I forget it exactly was who it was. Cassidy but... and, um, yes. I don't remember who the other two were now. I for- I, I don't remember who the other two were either, but it was, uh, Christopher Daniels and orange Cassidy. And they were doing, um, they were doing like a, a back and forth in the ring. You know what? But it was Christopher Daniels almost ruined it though because he's like he is cracking up the whole time. He's trying to hold in his laughter because they were doing like the whole um, like competing like chops and stuff like that. But they're both wearing sunglasses and they're both doing it like Orange Cassidy style. Oh, it's, it's that like, it's one. All, <laughs> yeah, it's all super lazy. And watching it live, like the crowd was going insane because it was so funny. Like you would have Orange Cassidy like do like a, a, a chest slap, but you know it's like at one one hundred the speed <laughs> normally, yeah. and so he'd do it and people go like woo like a, like a very quiet move. <laughs> um, so they start going back and forth, but then they speed it up a little bit. But yeah. the camera cuts because while I was watching it live, I didn't see this, but watching it on tape. Oh, it was hilarious on tape because ju- they, they do these like extreme like zoom ins yes. every time they like yes. They do a Kevin Dunn uh, quick cuts where like every blow is is done and it's and zoomed in. And, but it's hilarious because it's like it's it, my child, my two year old child can hit me harder than yeah the way they were hitting each other. You know what an underrated uh, exchange with him is when Sting does it and Sting is like deadpan uh, the whole time because he's gonna yeah. laugh his ass off if he doesn't just go totally like zoned out yeah. for it. Oh, when it's he, great when when that. When he, when Sting and Orange Cassidy had like a moment outside the ring during one of those Darby Allen matches, and they were like treating blows Orange Cassidy style, the best part to me, the thing that I, I die laughing every time I see it, is that Sting would do a move, and then he like did the whole like Sting beating his chest, but it was a, <laughs> it was like yes. the softest one ever. <laughs> it was yeah. like oh my god. Oh, I. Sting, let's be realistic. Like Sting, 
is in his early 60s. He must be having the time of his goddamn life. It's an underrated. He he did it against um FTR, but the the one where he and it was with Hogan when they did the rematch on Nitro, where he does the he he like does like the Hulk up. But then he runs out of steam and he like goes into the ropes and he collapses and he headbutts him right in the crotch. Yeah. Yeah. And he did that to Hogan and Hogan starts like doing the curly shuffle in the <laughs> <Yeah>. ring. <laughs> See, he's at a place in his career now where he's pretty much bulletproof. So if he decides to do something, you're not going to tell him no, but he's got such a good sense for the business that it's going to fit in. So what the hell have some fun. I did That's... you see did you see the Dax Harwood and um Danhausen exchange on Twitter a couple of days ago? No. No. So I guess they misspelled they spelled it hardwood on his action figure. Okay. Uh, yeah. And Danhauser replies where like someone put on the Chiron like Danhauser. And he's like, <laughs> We should team together and Dax is like, get your leg together first and we'll talk. <laughs> As a just as a an aside, like that kind of that totally makes me think that Dan Housen is, if he hasn't already signed a contract, because he may not be able to, because he's still kind of contracted to Ring of Honor through the end of the year. Uh, I would be so shocked if he doesn't go to AEW, just because the the he he get he just got hurt, he just went through surgery, so obviously there are people who are uh, looking to wish him well, uh, and he I think ha- probably has a lot of respect in the business. If yeah. for not for nothing else like the fact that he's gotten his character over so strong and it's built such a following but there's been so much interaction with him and specifically like AEW contra- uh, contracted talent that mm-hmm. to me it's like it's a little too much it's it's way more than like ordinary like it's it's fine if he is interacting with people like uh like Ethan Page like I think they're probably like real life friends to know each other but it's He's doing it with like Dax. He's doing it with Audrey Edwards. He's doing it with. Uh, he had you know, Jericho with, with, on his show. Well, Jer- he he did Jericho's cruise. That's probably where he like made a whole bunch of connections. Well, because you can tell like guys that get stuff like that. Even Cornette mm-hmm. and Brian Last love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it, it, you know what I, I would do? That, um, what I would do is I would I would bring his YouTube onto the AEW thing. But then when you have money behind it, like I would send him to like and like because you could afford to do that stuff, like like send him to like Hollywood red carpet stuff and have him like annoy celebrities and stuff. Mm-hmm. It just you do like the hire... stuttering John thing with him. Mm-hmm. You could hire Danhausen to just be a personality. In in the hopefully not in the in the timeline where Danhausen can't wrestle again, mm-hmm. he could just on sheer personality. Go like, you know, uh, he could just be an on-air personality and a manager who goes around and recruits people and then gets mad at them when they don't do what what he says or something like. Like he he could go, you know, he could do pretty much anything because the gimmick is so much fun. So, you know, I'm 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 looking forward to it very much. Now. I guess we we've we've stalled long enough. We've got to go into part six. So I did not like episode five. I hated episode six. With a passion, I hated episode six. An hour-long episode of GWF Television Title Tournament. We were recapping until 14 minutes, 23 seconds. 
a full quarter, yeah. a full the first quarter hour of your hour long show was recaps. Mm. There is no way that should be happening. That's, no, it's that's ridiculous. Terrible. I was actually impressed at episode five. They got the the tournament recap done in like eight minutes. That episode. Yeah, it was it was a couple of segments. It, it, in, in episode five, it was, but then we basically damn near saw like the entirety of, of the the Landell Gary Young match, and then yeah. Wild Bill Irwin and Patriot. We which basically was the saw week like before, both those which matches. Which is episode four. They did it two weeks yes. in a row. They we saw basically. Oh, it gets worse because in episode six, what do we get? We get another recap of Patriot yep. and Wild Bill Irwin. It's like I, even if you're trying to pad for time. Like you just need to feel content because you're selling this in, in syndication to some yeah. some uh, you know cable access channel or public access channel something and uh, do you, did you really need you can't put like a just a match between well, they, like two guys they shot matches at these tapings like let me I'm looking it up right now and we can, oh, I can oh, tell you. It, if you go to cage match and look at the tapings, there's like tons of matches. Yeah, like so here's Shad. Here are some things that they could have put in instead from the first two nights so we could have had chris walker versus big daddy falcone axel rotten uh-huh. versus chaz stan lane versus ray evans brian adidas and gary young versus doug summers and kenny the stinger we uh, could have had another stan lane match yeah adrian street <laughs> versus rip rogers patriot versus tug taylor um so night two we could have done chaz versus big bully busick Muck and Singh versus Ray Evans, Buddy Landell versus Terry Daniels, Rasta the Voodoo Man versus Brian Adidas, uh, El Fantasma versus Sweet Daddy Falcone, and Jeff Gaylord versus Tug Taylor. So those were. You legitimate. mean we could have had an El Fantasma match? Yes. Another <laughs> one. No, but like, so they they had options, and the, like some of that stuff was going to be. But see, the dumb thing is, so that stuff I'm pretty sure is syndication tapings because they had a syndicated show that was going on around this. But a lot of the people watching ESPN did not have access to the syndicated show. So why don't you put that on instead of the fucking recaps of the tournament? Because most of the people watching don't have the syndicated show. You don't have to have like, yes, this is part of the television, the TV title tournament, but every match on it doesn't have to be part of the tournament. You could just say, you know, before we get to the tournament, we've got some preliminary matches before we go into the tournament. Not real hard, right? As opposed to 15 minutes, damn near, of recaps. And you know what the worst part of it is? We get into an actual match, and it's with two guys that just don't gel at all. Like, Billy Black and Patriot just don't gel. I'm pretty sure that, like, the Patriot versus Tug Taylor, I bet that was okay. Because Tug Taylor was a longtime veteran. He's, um, he's Chaz's dad. He's a Texas mainstay. It would have been fine. Or Adrian Street versus Rip Rogers. I know that was probably syndicated oh, main that event, but been great. that would have been such a good match. So I don't, I don't know what their problem is. Like, it's just stupid. Like, you, you had, you had footage. And like I said, I bet you, at a minimum, 75% of the people watching the ESPN show had no access or idea there was a syndicated show. Yeah. Because the syndicated show was not on in many markets. So going into the match... Um, Billy Black versus um, Patriot. Versus the Patriot. Not it, good. It, it just... They don't go together. You know, guys, I love this match. And okay. You want to know, know why? 
Sure. Because it was the last we fucking saw of Billy Black. <laughs> <laughs> enough. Enough. <laughs> which one of you was what was it, Brad? Did you tell me that uh, like Joe Petticino and and this guy and Billy Black like they knew each other, they were friends or something like that? Well, he wrestles for his, uh, Joe Petticino's like Georgia promotion. Because they, okay. they keep mentioning he's, like, the Georgia television champion or something. Yeah. Because Enough. that's, like, yeah. I could I could not stand Billy Black. I don't understand how All Japan gave him, like, any time of day. He's not even that good, in my opinion. I know All Japan would occasionally take weird guys back in, like, like the early 90s. But I, I, I just, I don't get it. I'm not a fan. I'm glad that he was gone. <laughs> Away with you, Billy Black. I mean, Away. Joel Deaton. Joel Deaton was um, the better of the pair, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. In watching this match, not only do they just not gel well together, but here's something that really bothers me: is in the course, like this match is super basic, right? Mm-hmm. Hip toss, headlock, and it's long. Um, it is. And, long. Yeah, hip toss, headlock, arm drag. Patriot keeps working the arm. Now look. If you're going to work the arm, it needs to figure into the finish somehow. Working the arm means that taking out Billy Black's arm in some way should be important later. It's not. It, it never is. That it, That's something that drives me crazy. You remember when we had Duke Allstracker on? He, he's, he's talking about the, these old-timers who just want to work the arm for the whole match, but the finish is going to be a roll-up. There's no – like working the arm is just filler. It is, for lack of a better term, basic bitch filler that doesn't actually accomplish anything, you know and what, that drives me nuts. You know what I don't understand is um, Bill Eady was wrestling – he doesn't do a lot of shows for the GWF, but he's doing Access to the Demolisher. Um Okay. I would have rather seen him wrestle Brian Adias and Randy Rhodes and then job to the Patriot than I would have Billy Black. Billy Black just, uh, I don't, it just doesn't fit. You know, it, it's, I guess, I don't know. He's a stylistic it's, clash with everyone they had him in there with. And if he does have moves that he's like, if he, I think he might be better in an all Japan setting because like there's athletic guys that he can kind of fly a bit and do some cool stuff, but they kept putting him with guys that couldn't do anything. Yeah. He had what? A cu- I think he had a couple dives in this match and they don't, they don't land well. They don't look good. No, but I wouldn't have put Patriot in there at this point in his career. Like a year later, sure, um, he he could probably handle it. But like an outside the box guy, like I don't think Patriot had enough experience at this point in his career to accommodate that well. Yeah, I, I don't. Um... And up to this point, they had put him in there with vets that made him look good, and then they kind yeah. of threw him under the bus in this match. I would have, I would have had him face Muck and Sing. Honestly, I think that would have turned yeah. out a lot better. That would have benefited both of them more because then Sing going out to the Patriot would not have hurt Sing, and Patriot defeating, um, defeating Muck and Sing would have elevated Patriot more. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really frustrating 
that the way they booked themselves into this. Yeah, and so do we want do we want to talk about the next train wreck on this show? Uh, this next one, this next match, actually, I think broke my brain while watching it. Well, oh, th- there's a promo first. Oh, that's right. Chris Walker cuts a promo on Muck and Sing. You know, here's, I will say... Here's the problem. He's cutting this promo on Muck and Sing, and it's not good. It, God, they will not shut up about the teddy bears at all. Like, no, nobody will shut I, up about I think the teddy bears. They tried to get that over as, as hard as they could, and it's like, okay, you guys said it once, like, when he's when he was turning, when he made the turn, like the first time, then just drop it. It's like okay, yeah, yeah he's not a good guy anymore. We get it. Pedestino yeah. can't let but it go. But Norman, the teddy bears. It's like shut up. <laughs> I don't get like, so Walker's Walker's talking about the teddy bear. Like that's been done with for a while, but they keep going back to it. But here's the thing, Chris Walker's like, oh yeah, I got a plan for many things for Muck and Sane. I'm like. What do you have a plan? What what many things you don't have enough moves that you do to have a plan for many things here, dude. You got a headlock, you got a drop kick, and you got a crossbody. That's all you got, man. See, this is why you I would have you had, ain't got a many things. This is why I would have had Bonnie Blackstone doing the interviews though, because when she's doing it, like when they start to flounder, she interjects and kind of gets them back on point, and Joe Pedicino will just let guys die, or mm-hmm. or he will continue them down the path of stupidity that they're on like so that's why i would have bonnie do all the interviews because she's just better at it joe's not good at it that's okay you know what that's entirely fair this is chris walker's promo is just god awful because i think i think it mm -hmm. like i'm i I mean it's a bad comparison but i think if like mean gene had been out there like the promo probably would have turned out pretty good because gene would have saved him and like kept him on point because what i think happened is he starts off pretty good but then they have him talk way too long, and then no one, like, saves him once he kind of gets off track and can't get himself fixed. Yeah. Um, he's not good as a promo, but I do agree that Bonnie would have probably done better because Bonnie was actually, like, I mean, she, this was her wheelhouse. Like, she did interviews. Like, that was what she was basically skilled at, and I thought she did. Overall, she did, like, a a really good job with with. This this GWF stuff that I'm seeing, she's pretty good. She actually has a little bit of polish to her, which you would expect um, given her background. But um, it's kind of unfortunate that she never did other stuff. Like I mean, I like she was good enough that someone like WCW could have probably picked her up. But WWE used her once. I think I even sent you a clip of her in WWE. Yeah. They used her mm-hmm. for like one show, and then they were like, she's too southern. She's she's kind of southern, but not that much. I think I think the problem is, is I think the problem is she sounds southern and she could get away with that but like her hair and stuff is very southern. Uh, like her presentation uh, well, is very is very southern. Yeah. Doesn't uh doesn't Vince like the southern accent? God forbid if you don't. You <laughs> no, he doesn't. Only if you're the the nasty hillbilly looking guy. And only if it's a fake southern accent, not a real oh, southern accent. Remember they tried it's... to get rid of they tried to get rid of Jim Ross the entire time he was there because he was oh, yeah. too southern. Mm-hmm. which it was the the focus on the cosmetic over the the content is just and, and they also like wouldn't put michael hayes like on real commentary because he was too southern even though you know he and jim ross were like great together yeah have i ever seen that clip of them um in um him and jim ross like during a commercial break during uh 
UWF TV show mm-hmm. when they're just screwing around because they're not on camera. And Michael Hayes is like, we better stop fucking cussing, man. And Jim Ross is like, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just, they're just like going to town, like cracking each other up and just dropping F-bombs like every five seconds. They're just like, yeah. oh man, he, he's not fucking moving because they're like in a headlock. Yeah. And you can hear I, them just like giggling too because they're just, they know they're being... They yeah, they're bad. they're having too much fun. Yeah. So, yeah, we have Chris Walker cut a bad promo, and then we have Chris Walker versus Muck and Singh. And the thing that I take away from this match mm-hmm. is that Muck and Singh has the rope that's tied to Chris Walker and is very gingerly leading him along with very gentle, easy-to-follow spots that Walker won't screw up. Because, is... like, they get in there... And the first thing they do is they do a pose down and then <clears throat> Singh puts a full Nelson on Walker and Walker breaks it. And then Singh's like, well, put one on me. I'll break it. And Walker puts one on him and he has to hit the ropes to get out. And it's it's like this is he is step by step walking him through this match to keep it from being terrible. But I, would, I would never uh-huh. have done this match, though, because because Chris Walker sucks, obviously. We can all agree mm-hmm. to that. But <clears throat> Muck and Singh is not the kind of even though I think Muck and Singh is decent, like Chris Walker, you want in there with a smaller guy that he can like, you know, throw around a little bit. He's not good enough to fight a bigger guy because it takes some of his stuff out of the equation. Like, I think that um, who did he wrestle in the second round? Uh... Rip, he wrestled Rip. Okay. Guys like Rip are the kind of guys he should wrestle because they bring mm-hmm. out the good in him. Like the Muck and Singh thing, it's just like, well, he can't really effectively headlock him because Muck and Singh's so big and tall versus him. And like he doesn't really, ha- you know, he can't really slam him. Like, so what's he supposed to do? Yeah. What were you going to say, Matt? You had a thought you were getting ready to work. Yeah, I, I actually didn't mind this match. I liked it much better than I think you did, Brad, only because I could appreciate what they were trying to do here. Clearly they, they are positioning the Patriot and, and Chris Walker as like, they clearly had eyes that these two would be like their top faces and that you were going to push them to like the main event scene, even though Chris Walker wasn't very good. And the story of his career is that he just never really got much better, but they clearly were trying to do something with him. And so they put him out there and they they made sure like he looked good and he was holding his own against this much bigger opponent who they were clearly to me. They were clearly positioning Makan Singh as like one of their top heels. And I appreciated that that Makan Singh actually gave him he sold for him. He like gave him a lot. Now, you could argue like he's not the best worker. I thought he was he's decent enough. You can see the wily vet in here, though. Yeah, like he's I mean, he's probably like the best type of like big guy worker that they could probably find. Um, he's, yeah, he's clearly, he's not like a John Tenta, but no, he's, he's I would say he's better than like a, a tugboat though. Yes. I, I'd agree with that. But, mm-hmm. uh, but he's probably, I would he's, say he's, he's, I'm sorry. He's I, good enough. Uh, uh-huh. I was going to say he's like King Kong Bundy when he was good quality, I think. Yeah, he's like he's a he's a good enough hand that he he could use he could use him and he's big enough that he's believable. And his promos are good enough to cover up any in ring. Yeah. Issues he has. He's a he's a well rounded package with a gimmick you you don't see a whole lot. 
And yeah, so and he's a guy he's that you can be... naturally cap under title level that'll keep his heat because he can talk he can talk himself back up and he's big enough to be a threat. Yeah. But we have this match where Walker doesn't really do much of anything unless basically um unless Singh pretty much tells him to. Here's something that I saw in this. Walker just about like the last bump in this match that Walker takes was a clothesline off of Singh. And he he screwed it up. He went down, he kept one foot planted, which in training we just absolutely we we just hammered on this point because if you don't put both your feet up, you're going to break your ankle. You got to get them up off the mat, or they're going to twist, and you're going to break an ankle. You know what does Walker is... do? He keeps one foot planted right when he goes down. And he doesn't there... go down flat either. He goes down on his like partially on his side. And ironically, we we complimented him in the quarterfinals for bumping pretty well. Yeah, and then that's there's one spot where he gets thrown to the outside. But that's like halfway through the match. He takes that clothesline bump. He doesn't bump again. Like that might I, – I, I'd have to rewatch the entire match, and I don't want to. But that might be the only bump he takes in this match. And they're so desperate to get Walker over this, this thing, just gets himself DQ'd for hangmanning But I think that's the protect thing too, though. Well, yeah, it makes Sing look like a, a beast, but Walker does not look good coming out of this. No. He, he, they're trying their best to have him look good, but he doesn't. And it's it's frustrating. It's so frustrating because it's like we're getting – um. oh, I had a good comparison for this. Desperately trying to get somebody over based on it. Based on his look, oh Roman Reigns, but it can't work at all. Oh, um, oh, uh, let's see, uh, Vladimir Kozlov, um, Nathan Jones. Those are kind of it, but I had something like a more recent guy. No, I think I'm going a little further back, but I can't put my finger on who. Oh, um, Daniel Rodeimer, Matt Morgan. Hmm. I I could name quite a few. Morgan's. Morgan's better than Walker. I can't think of the name that I was trying to. Mr. Anderson. Like, like Attitude Era or, or uh, afterwards? No, I think it was older than that, and I just can't put my finger on it. Oh, even older than Attitude Era. Yeah. Marcus? Yeah, he'd be Attitude That's not Era. Who I was thinking he, of. Chris Walker. I, I will. I will defend Chris Walker. He is far better than Bracus ever was. Would this be like 80s WWE? Yeah, it might be. That might be who I'm trying to put my finger on. It's not uh, someone like Dino Bravo. No. But Dino I'll, Bravo was that. actually good when he was in like Montreal. Who was who was the guy that they they were going to like pin the moon to, but he was so bad he couldn't have a good match with Bret Hart? Oh, that guy? Oh, yeah. um, Terry something or other. Because they just did that big thing where they like found the tape after all these years or something. Wasn't it like tom somebody oh tom yeah, mcgee was, tom mcgee tom, tom McGee. McGee. that's that's the comparison that i'm trying to that for some reason sprung to mind for me it's, yeah, we it's talked like about... they're working so hard to push walker and it's just not 
this should not have happened. We talked about that. Um, we we talked about because Matt and I watched it, and we said like, yeah, it was not as good as the myth um, purported it to be. Okay, yes. it was it, an okay match, but it wasn't yeah. like. If people built it up to be like, oh, my God, this match. And it's like, mm. yeah, cause they did this like documentary on it. And this was still when they were using Sam Roberts, who's like fucking useless. Oh, yes, he's terrible. This. Yeah, he's he's um, he's an ugly, trolly little man and he has nothing good to say. But, but that is the name that popped to mind for me in, in considering like Chris Walker. It's like, who does Chris Walker remind me of? Because like, they're wanting to build around this guy and they need to not. And it, at least they cut McGee early. But, you know, it, it, they did. This is not something that needed to happen. Chris Walker is not someone that need this. This did not need to happen. Mm-hmm. I think he would have been fine. Like if he was like a mid Carter, like if you would have swapped Terry Garvin and him on their placement, I think he would have been fine. And I think that mm-hmm, they get smarter maybe. with it because what they do is after this, he wins the the tag titles with Steve Simpson, who's like a really good worker. So mm-hmm. they kind of like adjusted pretty well. Okay. So we got we get Walker winning here, and then we get we get the question segment. Where is the Patriots' hometown? And I looked at that and I was like, they've answered this already. Just like the last question session they did, yes, this was already answered on air. They talked about this for like 20 minutes, like two episodes ago. Yes. Like the the Patriots' hometown is any any town in America. He believes they're all important and they all matter. So any town in America is the Patriots' hometown. It's like, okay, but why but, why why did you feel it was necessary to ask this question? Because they didn't well, have anything better to ask. Yeah. Like, you know what it, I would have asked? I would have. So I'm. I'm just. This is part of like the rebooking stuff. I would have had someone ask in the plants, like, "What country is Muck and Sing from?" Mm-hmm. They talked about that one though. But you could, you could, you could, you could go into there and like get into some geography stuff, and then he could like talk some cultural stuff, and you could really like flesh him out a little bit. Or what if you were to um, what if you were to just ask some questions that are going to like explicitly piss someone off? Like, or, you know, hey, Buddy Landell, what makes you think you're the you're the real nature boy? You know, when... I was going right there. They could have done that promo. They could have done that promo as an answer to a question. Yes. And then Landell can just pitch a fit and get mad about it and do his whole Ric Flair thing, which is obviously like bullshit. Yes. And it would it would have furthered him that sort of stuff as opposed to answering the same question again and just I don't it feels like the question segments are like oh this is a great idea and then after they came up with it's a great idea they didn't actually put any more thought into it yeah it's um it's really a waste of Bonnie like she um. They're not giving her anything to work with on these. Yeah. Yeah, they're really not. So then we get to what I would call the lone bright spot of this awful show, which is Adrian Street versus Buddy Landell. Buddy Landell comes to the rescue yet again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
He's like Iceman. He just comes in like sliding on this cocaine that he's like shooting out of his hands as he like <laughs> slides into the ring. Oh. And this, this is probably the best match I think we've watched of this tournament. It's not better than Waltman and Lit. Of, it's not better than Lightning Kid and Jerry Lynn. That is by far the best match, GWF match we've watched. But as far as the TV title tournament goes, I think this is the, by far the best match so far. Uh, I think I could get behind that. Because this is well, like a nice... I don't know. Because Stan Lane Patriot was excellent. Yeah, what that's the goal true. was. I thought I I mean they showed it to death, but I thought I thought Patriot and Wild Bill Irwin was pretty good too. Patriot versus Stan Lane had all of the extraneous add-ons that I like to see, you know, the the manager stuff, the like all of the things that go all the the stuff you roll in, it I, I really like that. So I can't hate on it too much. And this is kind of a nice change of pace because they go like totally technical on this, which is really like a nice change of pace from like some of the garbage we've been getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adrian Street busted out a proto stretch muffler in this match. He did. Yes. And I loved it to to see Adrian Street. Um, You know, he's just. He's like, I'm going to grab this leg and put it around my neck, and we'll do that. What I think is interesting about Adrian Street in this tournament is you can tell he's kind of, like, washed and past his prime, and he's still excellent in his execution and, like, psychology and stuff. One thing I do love that we see here is Buddy Landell sells for people. Even if he wins, he sells for people because he sells Adrian Street messing with him. Um. Yeah, that's a, he like understood the assignment. Like he knows what he's supposed to do as a heel. Yeah. Like he and he knows that you can he can still get himself over just by going out there and selling. Like that's that's part of the job. Yeah. He's very good at it. I mean, he, he even I mean, even like when we get to the next segment where he does like the coin toss thing, like his reaction to winning the coin toss like was such a such like an a master class like douchebag like heel mm. thing. Oh, I. I've got something great for that when we get to it. Um, but yeah, the, the course of this match, uh, let me see street working the leg. He does a better garbage stomp than Randy Orton ever thought about doing. Um, again, I, I think buddy Landell's finish is the feet on the ropes. That's, that's my takeaway <laughs> from this, from this tournament. Um, you remember when we had J.R. Rock on uh, a while back? We had someone asked what his finish was, and he goes, "I'm a heel. I don't have a finish." That's what I take from this. That Buddy Landell was leaning into that amazingly. He does. I've I've sent you gifts of him doing. Like I love his um that spinning elbow drop he does on guys. Mm-hmm. The corkscrew. Yeah, the corkscrew elbow. Like someone yeah. needs to rip that off horribly because that is such a great move. Mm-hmm. It'd be a good Darby Allen smart. move. Yeah, I could see that. For Miro, Miro could probably do it. Hmm. I might have to think about that, about who I'd want to to have do that. But yeah, it's such a great move. And he does like a, he does like a, he did the figure four in like Jim Crockett promotions, but he did a little different than Flair. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
what was his promo where he I forget if it's in uh five or six where he he was basically explaining how he got the nature that was that was five okay (laughs) we were talking about how great that was because he's so obviously full of it yeah oh no like he let me have the name and it's like no you didn't jackass he passed it on to me he's like no no he didn't no he didn't because we were talking about because you were having some technical problems but we were talking about just how he is such an exemplary exemplary like heel and he's yeah. just so he's like far and away the best parts of these shows so far. Mm-hmm. He's just he's first of all, he's not afraid to be hated. Second, he is so good at being such a dick to, to having like nothing redeeming in what he does. Everything he's doing is with the express purpose of pissing you off. Like even his one WWF match where he like won, I think he was fight he he took on Matt Hardy as a jobber like in '95, and they announce him and he just points him so like that's me, <laughs> like such a douche. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's um I I just love him. He's he's just he is such a forgotten treasure of wrestling. Well, he. Uh, brought that on himself oh yeah obviously but i mean even yeah. people even people now that just haven't seen him are like missing out uh, yeah that's fair um the uh we after this match landell does a pretty good interview and then they bring patriot out to answer the question it's like yep that's exactly what has been said on your tv show before and patriot needs to lose that jacket he had on because that was awful <laughs> mm. there's a lot that just wasn't working no there. And it's, it's... then we get to the coin toss segment which i felt was too long it was and... but on the other hand it, it okay the first thing that jumped out at me is GWF, whenever it comes to their top baby faces, sure as hell has a type. You know? They they, they know exactly what they want their, their top baby faces to they be. Want their, they want their they want their top faces to give Vince McMahon a chubby. Yeah. Uh I I don't know why, but that's that's what they're going it's, for. It's it, they're working Texas, and I think they're just they're going for like Von Eric body, I think. Oh okay. And you know Texas wants their big like tough guy, pretty boy look, I think. Because that's kind of how this whole promotion breaks down. Like they don't have a lot of the Texas regulars yet, but they get them. But like Texas always had your pretty boy or your like rugged like cowboy type is kind of what world-class had a lot of okay but landell screwing around during this match or during this segment was fun landell's what saved it um and adrian street was a good foil for him because he's someone that gets a little cheeky and isn't afraid to to get a little dirty either yeah but for the i mean for the coin flip thing one of the things i loved is they're doing the whole coin flip thing. Landell does the flip and then very clearly takes the coin and like flips it over in front of everybody to show it. And if he hadn't have done that, he would have gotten his spot in the final. That's funny. Yeah, because whoever 
the the two that had the matching coin flips had to have a match, and whoever the, the odd one out was got a buy, right? So, like, halfway through them actually flipping the coins, he flips the coin, catches it, puts it on his hand, looks at it, and then reaches over and flips it over and puts his hand back over it. Mm-hmm. If, and then they turn around, and it's everybody has tails. If he hadn't done that, he would have gone into the final. <laughs> and they should have – I, I don't know why they didn't gimmick that. I I'm I'd be willing to bet that he told them to do that. He's like, look, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna screw with this, so don't let me, uh, you know, I, we're gonna we're gonna screw around with this for a little bit. And he's like, and I'm gonna I'm gonna like screw myself out of it, and then that way he's got an opportunity to like pitch a fit or something. I couldn't but, imagine. Yeah. I, I was gonna say I couldn't imagine doing this segment with. Out Buddy Landell though, because it would have been death, even more so because oh. like the only entertainment value to be gleaned from this was Buddy Landell being Buddy Landell. Yeah, I, I think he was just goofing off for this segment, you know. Oh, I think so too. He should have. I I think it would have been funny. He should have like bit the quarter like when they handed it to him. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> Check and make sure it's real. Yeah. So. You've been um, quiet here for a minute. Yeah. Uh, no, Buddy Landale has been like the star of the the tournament. He has the like workhorse of everything. Yeah. So yeah, so that's episodes five and six. So why don't we go around the table real quick? So Matt, um, what did you think of this pair of episodes before the home, the go home, like the I guess the go home shows? I did not care for either episode. Um, at all. The only thing, the only thing like saving grace out of like episode six, besides Buddy Landale, which we've just talked about, it's the fact that like they finally rushed through matches and, and some of this dead weight got removed. Um, so they, they finally narrowed it down to like three people. So I, it, it, this is coming to like a, <laughs> an end. Only thankfully. one more show. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming to an end, which I'm I'm very thankful for. So that's the best I can say. That's the positive is that well, you got we got through a lot, a lot more of this crap. So <laughs> the, the end is is near. That's kind of um, that's kind of my, I kind of share Matt's opinion word for word. It really disappoints me because the GWF gets good, but this is such a terrible first impression. Yeah. 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 I, um, in watching this, it's, I mean, for these, review purposes, these last two shows, I, I, I just want to throw up, sorry, Shad, to interrupt you, but I was going to say for review purposes, it is nice because you can like just skip swaths of these episodes yeah. and like get a 45 minute episode done in like 25 minutes. Cause that's all the new content that they put in there. But I couldn't imagine like watching this daily, this, like, could you imagine watching this daily in 1991 and you've literally seen some of this shit six times, six, seven, eight times for some of it now. That's that's how you get people to not watch. That's that's what that does is that turns people off and they don't want to watch. I um, these last two episodes actively piss me off because it, what are they is is they're huge chunks of them are filler. They have people on them that I'm I'm 
you know, Adrian Street is having to wrestle around Rasta because that's the only way we're going to get something good out of it. Um, you know, uh, Busick Landell went too short to to be a whole lot of fun. Um, Billy Black and Patriot didn't work. Walker and Muck and Singh was was a complete carry job that was blazingly obvious. And then we got Street Landell, which was that was that was good. That's and then you know Buddy Landell goofing off for a segment. It's like seriously, that's 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 your go home. It to to go into the final for this tournament. That's your go home. No, I absolutely don't care. I don't want to see it. You know, it, you you've you've pissed me off and you've hurt my feelings, and I don't want to see it anymore. And we're we're six episodes into this. We don't really have any like thing to sink our teeth into angle wise, other than like the tournament itself. Aside from like that, this is a tournament. That's really what we've got, and that's just not enough. Like they they put some seeds out there, but like we we had we had a Stan Lane Jim Cornette breakup tease in episode one, and there's been no follow through because I don't think Jim Cornette mm-hmm. ever appears again. So I don't, you know, is that that's never going to be followed through on? I guess. Yeah, it just something to do i guess but yeah so um we have we have i think we only have one more episode i pray to god this is only one more episode because (sighs) if there's a recap episode before the finals it's gonna be ugly Mm, yeah but um so yeah i i still like the gwf but like if we were to think about like I couldn't imagine us thinking of like, hey, why don't we just start sequentially doing GWF episodes? Because we would just stare down the light heavyweight tournament, which is the exact same format. And then if we somehow struggled our way through that, we have a tag title tournament and a North American heavyweight title tournament to get through. Uh, Like I like, okay, I like tournaments and wrestling because there's a whole bunch of stuff you can do. You can branch off new feuds you can do like screwball stuff. You can you can build people up even if they're not going to be going over in a big way. You know you can have you can have the Cinderella run to build up some new guy even if you're not taking him real far. Can, There's a whole bunch of st- or you can do like the the G1 climax where it's a round robin with blocks and then you can get into like the mathematics of what do you guys have to do to win their block to go to the final and what guys are out like who you know. Like, you can get into, like, the what-ifs in those tournaments, too. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that you can do with tournaments, but you don't drag them. Like, if if, if it's going to be this long, you have one or two tournament matches per show. Yes, exactly. Like, you, mm-hmm. you, you break it up. You don't make this whole thing the tournament and then be like, did you know we're having a tournament? Because we're having a tournament. And this next match is part of the tournament because we're having a tournament. Did you know about our tournament? It's like... I I don't like I actively like wrestling tournaments and I don't want to hear anything else. Yeah. And it, the problem with the way they did this, too, is so if like you're Brian Adias and they're planning to use you as a mid Carter, mm-hmm. you've been nowhere for five episodes. Yeah. Yeah. You've been off TV. Yeah. And, and now what? It's like, well, that means you've got to rebuild from the ground up. And that's oh, yeah. not a good thing. Yeah, like five episodes, you're so down, no one has seen you. Like, you might as well, like, 
just be reintroducing yourself. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, never, you know, never mind. This it's just Yeah, we're going to we're going to fix we're going to try and fix this. Yeah. We're going to we're going to take a chainsaw to this thing and try and like, <laughs> Frankenstein something together. Yeah. We might have to we might have to see if um if Rasta the Voodoo Mon's still around it might help us like uh voodoo this corpse into something usable too. Might. Well, yeah, so that's it for this episode. Uh, we will be back hopefully next week with um, with the final of this thing. It's um, this is a double record though, folks, so a lot can happen. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what what happens. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode. This has been GWF TV Title Tournament Five and Six. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. We'd love to hear from you on social media, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>